Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. The door swung open at once, and a tall, black-haired witch in emerald green robes stood there. She had a very stern face, and Harry's first thought was that this was not someone to cross. The first years, Professor McGonagall, said Hagrid. Thank you, Hagrid. I will take them from here. She pulled the door wide, and the entrance hall was so big you could have fit the whole Dursley's house into it. The stone walls were lit with flaming torches, just like the ones at Gringotts, and the ceiling was too high to make out, and a magnificent marble staircase facing them led to the upper floors. They followed Professor McGonagall across the flagstone floor. Harry could hear the drone of hundreds of voices from a doorway to the right, and the rest of the rest of school must already be here. But Professor McGonagall showed the first years into a small, empty ha- chamber off of the hall. They crowded in, standing rather closely together, um, than rather closer together than they usually would have done, peering about nervously. "Welcome to Hogwarts," said Professor McGonagall. The, sor- the start of turn banquet will begin shortly, but before you take your seats in the Great Hall, you will be sorted into your houses. The sorting is a very important ceremony because while you are here, your house will be something like a family to you within Hogwarts. You will have classes with the rest of your house, sleep in your house dormitory, and spend free time in your house common room. The four houses are called Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Each house has its own noble history, and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you are here at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn you house points, while any rule-breaking will lose you house points. At the end of the year, the, the house with the most points is awarded the House Cup, a great honor. I hope, I hope each of you will take credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting ceremony will take place in a few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you are waiting. Her eyes lingered for a moment on Neville's cloak, which was fastened underneath his left ear and on Ron's smudged nose. Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair in the meantime. I shall return, I shall return when we are ready for you. Please wait quietly. She left the chamber and Harry swallowed. How exactly do they sort us into houses? He asked Ron. Some sort of test, I think. Fred says it hurts a lot, but I think he was joking. Harry's heart gave a horrible jolt. A test in front of the whole school? But he didn't know any magic yet. What on earth would he have to do? He hadn't, hadn't expected something like this the moment they arrived. He looked around too anxiously and saw that everyone looked very terrified as well. No one was talking much except for Hermione Granger, who was whispering very fast about all the spells she's learned and wondered which ones she'll need. Harry tried hard not to listen to her. He had never been any more nervous, never. Not even when he'd, have to, when he'd had to take a school report home to the Dursleys saying that he'd somehow turned the teacher's wig blue. He kept his eyes fixed on the door. Any second now, Professor McGonagall would come back and lead him into his lead him to his doom then something happened then something happened that made him jump about a foot in the air several people behind him screamed what the he gasped and so did everybody around him about 20 ghosts had just streamed through the black wall pearly white and slightly transparent they glided across the room talking to one another and hardly glancing at the first years they seemed to be arguing 
what looked like a fat little monk was saying, Forgive and forget, I say. We ought to just give him a second chance. My dear friar, we haven't given Peeves all the chances he deserves. He gives us all the bad name, you know. He's not even a ghost, I say. What are you all doing here? A ghost wearing a rough and tights had suddenly noticed the first ears. Nobody answered. New students, said the fat friar, smiling around them. About to be sorted, I suppose. A few people nodded mutely. Hope to see him, Hufflepuff, said the friar. My old house, you know. Move along now, a sharp voice. The sorting ceremony's about to start. Professor McGonagall had returned. One by one, the ghost floated away through the opposite door. Now, form a line, Professor McGonagall told the first years, and follow me. Feeling oddly as though his legs had turned to lead, Harry got into the line behind the boy with the sandy hair and Ron behind him, and they walked out of the chamber, back across the great hall, and through a pair of double doors into the great hall. Harry had never even imagined had never even imagined such a strange and splendid place. It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles that were floating in midair over four long tables, where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was another long table where the teachers were sitting. Professor McGonagall led the first years up there so that they came to a hall and halt in a line facing the other students with the teachers behind them. The hundreds of faces staring at them looked like pale lanterns in flickering candlelight. Dotted here and there, um, dotted here and there among the students, the ghost shone misty silver. Mainly to avoid all of the staring eyes, Harry looked upward and saw a velvety black ceiling dotted with stars. He heard Hermione Granger whisper, "'It's bewitched to look like that. I read about it in a Hogwarts, a history.' It was hard to believe that there was a ceiling there at all, and that the Great Hall didn't simply ha- and that the Great Hall didn't simply open up to the heavens. Harry quickly looked Harry quickly looked down again as Professor McGonagall silently placed a four-legged stool in front of the first years. On top of the stool, she put a pointed wizard's hat. That hat was patched and frayed and extremely dirty. Aunt Petunia wouldn't have even let it into the house. Maybe they had tried to get a rabbit out of it, Harry thought wildly. But that seemed to be the sort of thing. Notice that everyone in the hall was now staring at the hat, and he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was complete silence, and then the hat twitched. A rip near the opening, a rip near the brim opened like a wide mouth, and the hat began to sing. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers, you can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on, I will tell you where you ought to be. You might be long in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave of heart. Their darling nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't give in a flap. You're safe, you're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. 
The whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song. It bowed to each of the four tables and then became quite still. So we've just got to try on a hat then, Ron whispered to Harry. I'll kill Fred. He was going on about wrestling a troll. Harry smiled weakly. Yes, trying on the hat was a lot better than having to do a spell, but he did wish that they'd have tried it on without everyone watching. The hat seemed to be asking rather a lot. Harry didn't feel brave or quick-witted or any of it in the moment. If only the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy, that would have been one for him. Professor McGonagall now stepped forward, holding a long roll of parchment. When I call your name, you will be put in the, you will put on the hat and sit on the stool to be sorted, she said. Abbott, Hannah. A pink-faced girl with blonde pigtails stumbled out of line, put on the hat, which fell right down over her eyes, and sat down. A moment's pause. Hufflepuff, shouted the hat. The table on the right cheered and clapped as Hannah went down to sit with the Hufflepuff table. Harry saw the ghost of a fat friar waving merrily at her. Bones, Susan. Hufflepuff, shouted the hat again, and Susan scuttled off to sit next to Hannah. Boots, Terry, Ravenclaw. The, second, the table second from the left clapped this time. Several Ravenclaws stood up to shake hands with Terry as he joined them. Brocklehurst, Mandy. Went to the Ra- Brocklehurst Ravenclaw went to the Ravenclaw. T- Mandy went to Ravenclaw too, but Brown Lavender became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry couldn't see Ron. Harry could see Ron's twin brothers calling. Cat calling. Bultrose Millicent, then became a, sl- a Slytherin. Perhaps it was Harry's imagination, but after all he'd heard about Slytherin, but after all he'd heard about Slytherin, but he thought they looked like an unpleasant lot. He was starting to feel definitely sick now. He remembered he remembered being picked for teams during gym at his old school. He had always been last to be chosen, not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley thinking that they liked him. Finch Fletchy Justin. Finch Fletchley Justin. Hufflepuff! Sometimes Harry noticed that the hat shouted shouted out the house at once, but at others it took a while to decide. Finnegan Seamus. The sandy-haired boy next to Harry in line sat on the stool for almost a whole minute before the hat declared him a Gryffindor. Granger Hermione. Hermione almost ran to the stool and jammed the hat eagerly on her head. Gryffindor! shouted the hat. Ron groaned. A horrible thought struck Harry, as horrible thoughters always do when they're nervous when you're nervous. What if he wasn't chosen at all? What if he just sat there with the hat covered over his eyes for ages until Professor McGonagall jerked it off his head and said that there had obviously been a mistake and he'd better get back on the train? When Neville Longbottom, the boy who kept losing his toad, was, was called, he fell over on his way to the stool. The hat took a long time to ta- decide with Neville, but then it finally shouted, Gryffindor! Neville ran off it, still wearing the ran off the stool, still wearing the hat, and had to jog back amid giggles of laughter to give it back to McDougal Morag. Malfoy swaggered forward when his name was called and got his wish at once. The hat had barely touched his head when it screamed, "Slytherin!" 
Malfoy went to join his friends Crab and Goyle, looking pleased with himself. There weren't many people left now. Moon, not Parkinson, and then a pair of twin twin girls, Patil and Patil, the then Perks, Sally Ann, and then, at last, Potter, Harry. As Harry stepped forward, whispers suddenly broke out like little hissing fires all over the hall. Potter, did he say? The Harry Potter? The last thing Harry saw before the hat dropped over his eyes was the full was the hall full of pair was the hall full of people craning to get a good look at him. Next the next second he was looking at the inside of the black hat, and he waited. Hmm said a small voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not bad mind either. There's talent. Oh my goodness, yes. And a nice thirst to prove yourself. Now that's now that's interesting. So, where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edge of the stool and thought, Not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh? said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin would help you on the way to greatness. No doubt about that. No, no doubt about No, not Slytherin. Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor! Harry heard the hat. Harry heard the hat shout the last word and the, to the whole hall. He took off the hat and walked shakily towards the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved to have been put and not to be chosen and not put in Slytherin. He hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. Percy the prefect got up and shook his hand vigorously while the Weasley twins yelled, "We've got Potter! We've got Potter!" Harry sat down opposite the ghost in the ruff he had seen earlier, and the ghost patted his arm, giving Harry the sudden horrible feeling he'd just plunged into a bucket of ice cold water. He could see the high tide pro- high table properly now, and at the end nearest to him sat Hagrid, whose eye he caught and gave and gave a little thumbs up. Harry grinned back. And there, in the center of the high table, in the large gold chair, sat Albus Dumbledore. Harry recognized him at once from the card he'd gotten out of the chocolate frog on the train. Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing in the whole hall that shone as brightly as these ghosts. Harry spotted Professor Quirrell, too, the nervous young man from the Leaky Cauldron earlier in, in the summer. He was looking very peculiar in a large purple turban. And now there were only four people left to be sorted. Thomas Dean, a black boy even taller than Ron, joined Harry at the Gryffindor table. Turpin, Lisa, became a a Ravenclaw, and then it was Ron's turn. He was pale green by now, and Harry crossed his fingers under the table, and a second later, the hat had shouted, Gryffindor! Harry clapped loudly with with the rest as Ron collapsed into the chair next to him. Well done, well done, Ron, excellent! said Percy Weasley pompously across Harry as Zabini Blaze was made Slytherin. Professor McGonagall rolled up her squirrel and took the sorting hat away. Harry looked down at his empty gold plate. He had only just realized how hungry he truly was. The pumpkin pastries seemed like ages ago. Albus Dumbledore had gotten to his feet. He was beaming at the students, his arms open wide, as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome! Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, blubber, ottoment, tweak. Thank you. He sat back down. Everybody clapped and cheered. And Harry did not know whether to laugh or not.
Is he a bit mad? He asked Percy uncertainly. Mad? He's a genius, best wizard in the world, but yes, a bit wad, mad. Potatoes, Harry. Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of him were now piled with food. He had never seen so many things he'd like to eat on a table all at once. Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops, lamb chops, sausage, bacon and steak, boiled potatoes, roasted potatoes, fries, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and for some strange reason, peppermint humbugs. The Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry, but he'd never been able, allowed to eat as much as he'd like. Dudley had always taken anything that Harry really wanted, even if it made him sick. Harry piled his plate with a bit of everything except for the peppermints, and he began to eat. It was all delicious. That does look good, said the ghost in the rough sadly, watching Harry cut up the steak. Can't you? I haven't eaten for nearly 500 years, said the ghost. I don't need to, of course, but one does miss it. I don't think I've introduced myself. Sir Nicholas, the Mimsy Porbington at your service, resident ghost in Gryffindor Tower. I know who you are. My brother told me all about you. You're nearly heading this nick. I would prefer if you called me Sir Nicholas Dimmims. The ghost began stiffly, but the sandy hair Seamus Finnegan interrupted. Nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? Sir Nicholas looked extremely miffed, as if their little chat wasn't going any of the way that he wanted. Like this, he said irritably. He seized his left ear and pulled. His whole head swung off his neck and fell onto his shoulder, as if it was a hinge. Someone had obviously tried to behead him, but not done it properly. Looking, looking pleased, looking pleased at the stunned looks on their face, nearly had the snick, sli- flipped his head back onto his neck, coughed, and said, So, new Gryffindors, I hope you're going to help us win the house championship this year. Gryffindors have never won in so long without, gone so long without winning. Slytherins have gotten the cup six years in a row. The bloody Baron's becoming almost unbearable. He's the Slytherin ghost. Harry looked over at the Slytherin table and saw a ghost, a horrible ghost, sitting there with blank staring eyes, a gaunt face, and robes stained with silver blood. He was right next to Malfoy, who Harry was pleased to see, didn't look too pleased with the seating arrangements. How did he get covered in blood? said Seamus with, with great interest. I've never asked, said nearly headlessness Nick delicately. When everyone had eaten as much as they could, the remains of the food faded from the plates, leaving them sparkling as, as sparkling clean as before. A moment later, then desserts appeared. Blocks of ice cream in every flavor you could think of, apple pies, treacle tarts, chocolate eclairs, and jam donuts, trifles, strawberry jello, strawberries, jello, rice pudding. As Harry felt, helped himself to a tre- treacle tart, the talk turned onto families. I'm half and half, said Seamus. My dad's a muggle. Mom didn't tell him she was a witch, so after they were married, bit of a nasty shock for him. The others laughed. What about you, Neville? Said Ron. Well, my grand brought me here. She's a witch. But the family, I guess, I was all muggles for... But the family thought I was all muggles for ages. My great-uncle, Augie, kept trying to catch me off guard and uh, forced me to do some magic out of me. Uh, he, he pushed me out the end of a black pool pier once. I nearly drowned, but nothing happened till I was eight. Great-uncle, Augie, Augie, came around for dinner and he was hanging hang, hanging me and he was hanging me out an ups, of an upside, upstairs window by the ankles when great aunt, auntie enid 
When great auntie Enid offered him a meringue and he accidentally let go, but I bounced all the way down to the garden and onto the road. They were all really pleased. Gran was crying. She was happy. And you should have seen the faces when I got in here. They thought I might not be magic enough to come, you see. But great uncle Augie was so pleased that he bought my toad. On Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and Hermione were talking about lessons. I do hope they start right away. There's so much to learn. I'm particularly interested in transfiguration, you know, turning something into something else. Of course, it's supposed to be very difficult. You'll, you'll be starting small. Just matches into needles and that sort of thing. Harry, who was starting to feel warm and sleepy, looked up at the high table again. Hagrid was dr- drinking deeply from his goblet. Professor McGonagall was talking to Professor Dumbledore. Professor Quirrell, in his absurd turban, was talking to a teacher with a greasy black hair, a hooked nose, and solo skin. It happened very suddenly. The hooked-nosed teacher looked past Quirrell's turban, straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar in Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry clapped his hand to his head. What is it? Asked Percy. Nothing. The pain had gone as quickly as it had come. Harder to shake off the feeling Harry had forgotten, had gotten from the teacher's look, a feeling that he didn't, that he did. Harder to shake off was the feeling that Harry had gotten from the teacher's look, a feeling that he didn't like Harry at all. Who's that teacher talking to Professor Quirrell? He asked Percy. Oh, you know Quirrell already, do you? No wonder he's looking so nervous. That's Professor Snape. He teaches potions, but he doesn't want to. Everybody knows he's after Quirrell's job. Knows an awful lot about the dark arts, Snape. Harry watched Snape for a while, but Snape didn't look at him again. At last, the desserts, too, disappeared, and Professor Dumbledore got to his feet again, and the hall fell silent. Ahem. Just a few more words. Now that we're all fed and watered, I have a few short-term notices to give you. First years should note that the forest on the grounds is forbidden to all pupils. And if you ever olden students would do well to remember that as well. Dumbledore's twinkling eyes flash in the direction of the Weasley twins. I have also been asked by Mr. Vilch, the caretaker, to remind you that no magic should be used in between classes in the corridors. Quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term. Anyone interested in playing for the house teams should contact Madame Hooch. And finally, I must tell you that this year, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious, is he? He muttered to Percy. Must be said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd, because he usually gives us a reason why we're not allowed to go somewhere. The forest is full of dangerous beasts. Everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects, at least. And now, before we go to bed, let us sing the school song, cried Dumbledore. Harry noticed that other teacher's smile had become rather fixed. Dumbledore gave his wand a little flick, as if he was trying to get a fly off the end, and a long golden ribbon flew from it, which rose high above the tables and twisted itself snake-like into words. Everybody pick, everybody pick their favorite tune, said Dumbledore, and off we go. And the whole school bellowed, Hogwarts, Hogwarts, hoggy warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with filling with something 
with some interesting stuff for now they're bare and full of air dead flies and bits of fluff so teach us things worth knowing bring back what we forgot just do your best and we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot everybody finished the songs at different times at last only the weasley twins were left singing along a very slow funeral march Dumbledore conducted their last few lines with his wand, and when they had finished, he was one of those who clapped the loudest. Ah, music, he said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do in here, and now, bedtime, off you trot. The Gryffindor first years followed Percy through the cheering crowds, out of the hall, and up the marble staircase. Harry's legs were like lead again, but only because he was so tired and full of food. He was too sleepy to even be surprised that the people in portraits along the corridors whispered and pointed as they passed, or that twice Percy led them through the doorways, or that twice Percy led them through doorways hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tapestries. They climbed more staircases, yawning and dragging their feet, and Harry was just wondering how much farther they had to go when they came to a sudden halt. A bundle of walking sticks was floating in mid-air hanging at them, and as Percy tried to step forward, And as Percy tried to step forward, they started throwing themselves at him. Peeves, he's whispered, he whispered to the first years. A poltergeist. A poltergeist. He raised his voice. Peeves, show yourself. A loud, rude sound, like the air being let out of a balloon, answered. Do you want me to go to, do you want me to go to the bloody baron? There was a pop and a little man with wicked dark eyes and a wide mouth appeared, floating cross-legged in the air, clutching his walking sticks. Ooh, Inkle Firsties, what fun! He said with an evil cackle. He swooped suddenly at them and they all ducked. Go away, Peeves, or the Baron will hear about this. I mean it, barked Percy. Peeves stuck out his tongue and he vanished, dropping the walking sticks on Neville's head. They heard him zooming away, rattling coats of armor as he passed. You'll want to watch out for Peeves, said Percy as they set off again. The Bloody Baron's the only one who can control him. He won't even listen to us prefects. All right, here we are. At the very end of the corridor hung a portrait of a very fat woman in a pink silk dress. Password, she said. Caput Draconis. Caput Draconis, said Percy, and the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville leading a leg up, and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cozy round room full of squishy armchairs. Percy directed the, gore, the Percy directed the girls through one door of, to their dormitory, and the boys through another. At the top of the spiral staircase, they were obviously in one of the towels. Towers, wow. At the top of the spiral staircase, they were obviously in one of the towers. They found, and they found their beds at last. Five four poster hung five four posters hung with deep red velvet curtains. Their trunks had already been brought up. Too tired to talk much, they pulled out their pajamas and fell into bed. Great food, isn't it? Ron muttered to Harry through the hangings. Get off, Scabbers, he's chewing my sheets. Harry was going to ask Ron if he'd had, if he had had any of the treacle tart, but he fell asleep almost at once. Perhaps Harry had eaten a bit too much because he had a very strange dream. He had a very strange dream. He was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling him that he must transfer to Slytherin at once because it was his destiny. 
Harry told the turban he didn't want to be in Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier, and he tried to pull it off, but it tightened painfully. And there was Malfoy laughing at him as he struggled with it. And then Malfoy turned to the hook-nosed teacher Snape, whose laugh laugh became cold and high. There was a burst of green light, and Harry woke, sweating and shaking. He rolled over and fell asleep again, and when they woke the next day, he didn't remember the dream at all.